Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you joining us this morning, whether you're doing that at one of our campuses or just connecting with us online. I am so glad that you are kicking off the new year with us here at Cedar Creek Church. Now, for most of us, this is that wonderful time of year when in a fit of optimism, we make all kinds of promises to ourselves and to others about all the changes we're going to make in the new year. We call these things New Year's what? New Year's resolutions. Question, how many of you have made at least one resolution for 2019? Let me see your hands. Yes, that's many of you. How many of you have already broken it? You were just six. Yes, I see some hands. Let me ask you this. How many of you made a resolution for this year that you've actually made in previous years too. Come on, let me see you. Yeah. Now listen, I'm not down on resolutions. I I don't think resolutions are a bad thing. In fact, I think they're a good thing. I think it's great to take stock in yourself and in your life and in your trajectory. I think it's great to have a plan and to try to implement that plan. My issue with resolutions is not making them. My issue is that often we make them without really thinking about what it's going to take to follow through. And then I think a lot of times we resolve to change things in our life that really don't make that big a difference. Sometimes we'll put a lot of energy and effort to changing things that are more on the surface of our life or change the kind of things that make us feel better about ourselves or change the kind of things that may impress what other people think about us and you put a lot of energy and effort and even if you accomplish the change, it doesn't do that much for you. So to help us make the most of 2019, we're going to spend a couple of weeks looking at three key areas of our lives where even the smallest bit of change can pay huge dividends. Aspects of our life where just a little bit of work, a little bit of effort can pay off big time. And these areas that we're going to look at are relationships, finances, and spiritual growth. Because those areas, if you'll put a little bit of effort into it, it'll make a huge difference in your life. And I think intuitively, we just kind of know that. And the reason I say that is because those three categories are the top categories for New Year's resolutions. The vast majority of New Year's resolutions are made either on relationships, finances, or personal Growth, And so we're going to look at those areas, and today we're going to kick things off by looking for a life hack in our relationships. Now, if you missed the bumper or you're not sure what a life hack is, again, it's just a little shortcut, secret, a little bit of knowledge or skill that can make a huge difference in some area of your life. You could think about a life hack as cracking the code. And today we want to talk about cracking the code on our connections. Several years ago, the um, 
National Institute of Health commissioned a study to look at the health benefits of relational connections. They looked at people who had significant connections in their life outside of their immediate family, and then they also looked at people who lived more isolated, more cocooned in their life, and the results were very interesting. They discovered that people who were connected to other people actually were much healthier than people who were not as connected. In fact, they even discovered that people who are connected live longer than people who live isolated. I was sharing that with a friend of mine earlier this week, and he must have been having a hard time with some of the people in his life because he said, Philip, connecting to other people doesn't actually make you live longer. It just makes it seem like you're living longer. But the truth is, connections benefit us, not just our mental, emotional health, but physically. Every area of life is benefited by our connections. So how do we do that? How do we crack the code on our connections? How do we improve the quality of our connections? Now, I need to say this. When I talk about being better connected, I'm not talking about knowing the right people in the right place. I'm talking about making the most of the people who are already in your life. How do you do that? Four suggestions. Number one, Cracking the code on connection means I need to increase the level of my engagement. If you want to get more out of your connections, you have to increase the level of your engagement with those people. I mean, it's not rocket science, right? The more time, energy, and effort you invest in those connections, obviously the more benefit you're going to get from them. See, most of us think the problem with our connections are the people we're connected to. And that may be the case for some of you. Maybe some of you are hanging out with the wrong people who are going in the wrong direction. But I think for the majority of us, the problem with our connections aren't the people we're connected to. It's the fact that we don't prioritize those connections. Believe me, I have spent the last 20 years of my life on a mission to help people connect in authentic community with other believers. It's been the driving force of my professional life, and I've been doing it for 20 years. Now, let me tell you, a lot has changed in the last 20 years. A lot has changed in our culture. When I started this journey of getting people connected, the Internet was a novelty. Cell phones were used to make phone calls and nothing else. A lot has changed in this idea of how we connect and relate to one another. But you know what hasn't changed? The one thing that hasn't changed in the last 20 years is the number one reason why people don't get and stay connected with others. You want to guess what that is? I'm too what? I'm too busy. I get that. Busy is a way of life for all of us. I've never met anybody who wasn't busy. Busy is the new normal. Busy is the new standard for our lives. But here's what I know to be true about my life. I can't speak about yours, but I know this is true in my life. No matter how 
busy I am, somehow I always find time for the things I really want to do. I always find a way to prioritize the things that are truly important to me. That's how life works. Our priorities determine the level of our engagement. And the level of our engagement will ultimately determine the benefits we get from those connections. And that is especially true within the church family. Our connections to one another in the church are deeply affected by our level of engagement. And our level of engagement is slowly but steadily dropping. There's an interesting trend within churches in America over the last 10 years. And this trend is universal. We're seeing it across denominational lines. We're seeing this trend across big churches and little churches, traditional churches, contemporary churches, modern churches, any kind of church you can think about. The one thing that we're all seeing in all of our churches is that while membership in church is remaining fairly steady, engagement by those members within the church is dramatically dropping. One point, or church members attend physically a worship service at their church 1.8 Sundays a month. In other words, less than half the time are we physically together for corporate worship. The number of church members who connect in a small group, a Sunday school, a home group, or a Bible study less than 50%. It's dropping dramatically just in the last 10 years. The number of people who are serving within ministries, within their church body, dropping dramatically. And listen, not only is that lack of engagement impacting the influence that the church is able to have in our nation and in our culture, but it is impacting the influence that Jesus is having in our individual lives. According to Barna Research, there is now no longer any significant difference in the daily lives of believers and non-believers. There's really no difference statistically in how we treat our neighbor, how we serve the community, how we live our lives, how we love our spouses, how we raise our children. That's not because we don't want to be Jesus followers. It's just the result of a lack of engagement significantly diminishing the benefits of God's design to be connected to his body. This is not a new issue. This has been going on within the church for 2,000 years. Look at what the Bible says, Hebrews 10.25, written to a church over 2,000 years ago. It says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us do what? What does that say? Encourage one another. Now, don't miss this. Look at the connection between increased engagement and the blessing of being engaged. Do you see that? The more engaged we are, the more encouraged we are by these connections. I think the key word in that passage is the word habit. 
In fact, circle that. It says, don't keep it a habit. Don't give up the habit of connecting with other believers. Two things are required for something to become a habit. Consistency and frequency. Whatever you're doing consistently and frequently in your life is becoming a habit of your life. And you know that old saying, right? So a deed reap a habit. So a habit reap a lifestyle. What lifestyle are your habits reaping for you? What are you doing consistently? What are you prioritizing? What are you doing frequently? And what direction is it leading your life? Can I make one suggestion for you going into the new year? To maximize God's design for you to be connected, to be part of a family, not a member of an organization, but a part of a family, is to ask yourself, what will I do this year to increase my engagement with the body of Christ? Maybe, maybe for some of you it is about more consistency in your physical presence on your campus for corporate worship on Sunday morning. Maybe for some of you, it's that next step of commitment to do life together with a small group of others by joining and being a part of a home group family. Maybe for you, it's to step up and serve and use your gifts and talents and passion and heart to serve God by serving others inside and outside the church. If you want to get the most out of your connections, first thing you got to do is increase your engagement. But it doesn't stop there. There's a second thing you got to do. You got to increase your level of transparency. You got to increase your level of transparency. See, cracking the code on your connections is not just investing more time and energy and effort in those connections. It also means being willing to be real with the people you're connected with. Because nothing will minimize the benefits of your connections more than just being phony. Pretending that you've got it all together. Living your life like a Facebook montage of all the beautiful moments and never being real with anybody about the messy, ugly, painful struggles that are a part of every one of our lives. Look, you can attend church every Sunday. You can go to home group every week. You can serve in 10 different ministries. But if you never open up to the people you're connected to, you will never be transformed. Now hear me. Hear me. I am not asking you to show up at your campus next Sunday, corner some stranger in the lobby, and start just spilling your guts about all your, you know, all the junk in your trunk and I'm not saying show up at home group every week and whine about how bad your life is my job stinks nobody loves me everybody hates me don't I'm not talking about being the EGR in your group I'm just talking about being real with a few trusted people you know I think that's one of the greatest strengths of our church is that this has always been a place where it's okay to not be okay. But you need to understand that's not just some unique design 
that we as a church have cornered the market on. This has always been God's design for his family. Look at what the Bible says, 1 John 1, 7. It says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That word fellowship, it's a Greek word koinonia, which doesn't really matter that you know that. What matters is that you know that means community. That means connectedness. That means a bonded authenticity because of our joint love for Jesus. And let me tell you, for a long time when I would read that verse that said, if you walk in the light, then you can really be connected to the church. I thought walking in the light meant always doing right. That walking in the light was about being more righteous, bettering my behavior, being more obedient. But the older I get and the more I understand the full counsel of God's word, I realize that walking in the light is just being real with the people who are with you. It's coming out of the darkness. And that's the cool thing. That when we're honest and transparent with one another, it not only bonds us together, but it brings healing into our lives. Look at James 5.16. It says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. You want to be forgiven of your sins? All you have to do is confess it to God. But you want to be healed? You want to get over that pain? You want to get over that brokenness? You want to get beyond that hurt, that habit, that hang-up? You have to be honest with at least one other person. Why? Why can't I just tell God and he heal me? I'll tell you why. Because it's our secrets that keep making us sick. It's what we hide in the dark that gets bigger and bigger. It's the monster under the bed that nobody knows about that keeps bringing fear and keeps dominating our life and keeps messing up our relationships and our job and it just keeps jacking up our life. But if you bring it into the light, that monster starts to shrink and his power over you is diminished. But you got to get real. What would that look like for you this year? One step towards a little more honesty, a little more transparency. Do you have somebody in your life that you trust that you could get that real with? Somebody that's spiritually mature, somebody that you know that loves you, is going to stick with you even when you vomit all that difficult Stuff. If, if you don't have that person in your life, I am begging you, don't go through another year hiding. Find somebody. Reach out to somebody. This church is full of loving, unbelievably grace-filled, non-judgmental people that you can get real with. You want to crack the code, get the most out of your connections, increase your engagement, Increase your transparency. And then number three, increase your compassion for others. Increase your compassion for others. See, relationships, connections, they're a two-way street. You get more out of them when you give more to them. 
people begin to care about you if you show up and care about them. Look at Philippians 2, 4. It says, do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Circle that phrase, interested in. I was looking at it in the original Greek language this week, and I realized it doesn't mean just a curiosity about. It doesn't mean that I just want to hear the latest gossip on you. It means a vested interest that what happens to you matters to me. You know one of the best ways you can care more for the people around you is shut up and listen to what they're saying. To just give them your undivided attention. Put your phone away. Quit Instagramming your perfect little life and listen to the broken hearts of people. Listen non-judgmentally. Do this. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. And let me just tell you something. That is a lost art in our culture today. Nobody's listening. And, and especially in this political climate. Everybody's talking at each other. Everybody's talking over each other. Everybody's trying to get their political opinion across. And nobody's listening. And it is ripping this nation apart. Because we've forgotten over our political differences the beautiful core values that hold this nation together because we're arguing with one another and nobody is listening. But you need to understand this. That same thing happens within the church. When we get so hung up on getting our preferences across or making sure everybody knows what our needs are and all we worry about is what the church can do for me instead of what I can do for my brothers and sisters in my church family. It rips at the fabric of our church's unity and it decreases the impact that we can have for the kingdom of God. Increasing our compassion is not just listening. You also got to go a little deeper. You have to be willing to enter the world of the people around you. That's what the Bible means when it says, Weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Sometimes you're the weeper and sometimes you're the one who weeps with. Sometimes you are the rejoicer, and sometimes you just get to be the one who rejoices with. But all of it brings healing into all of our lives because it connects us with one another. That's how God designed our relationships as Christians to be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's that great passage where Paul describes the church as like a human body. And it's got all kinds of different parts, but all of those parts work together. And everything in every part affects every other part. And I love what he says in verse 26. He says, if one part of the body suffers, all other parts suffer with it. Did you catch that? 
suffer with, not for it. That verse is not, doesn't mean that if you go out and mess up, do something bad, and end up in the newspaper, that it doesn't mean we as a church suffer for your mess because you've embarrassed us because we're in the same church family. It means we walk side by side in each other's broken messiness. We suffer together. And can I just tell you, that may be one of the greatest benefits of connection. Man, that truth has gone from being knowledge that I've preached about from 20 years to a reality I have experienced flat on my face and broken. As I've watched my church family weep with us, pray for us, hurt as we hurt. As I've watched our home group on a closer level walk with us and give us grace, when we can't even show up at home group because it hurts too bad, and yet they still love us. That's what it means to truly be connected. And you don't have to be the pastor of a church, and you don't have to lose a child to have that in your life. It's God's design for all of us. But you got to reach out for it. you got to put in some effort. you got to open up your life, and you have to care for the hurting people around you. I don't, I don't know what 2019 is going to be in your life. I tell you, 2018, I never saw a lot of it coming. None of it, really. And I don't know. I don't know what this year holds for you. I do know there'll be some wonderful things. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some tough things. And so my question is, who's going to walk with you? Who are you connected to enough that can walk this journey with you? And then finally, number four, maybe the most difficult thing about cracking the code on connections is we have to be willing to increase our level of accountability. We have to increase our level of accountability because you need to understand this right up front. Our connections to each other as believers is not just some sort of feel-good, lovey-dovey, kumbaya, hold hands around the fire, I love me, I love you, we're a happy family. No, it's having people who love you enough to tell you the truth even when the truth hurts. And we all need that because we all have blind spots. We all have things in our life that we cannot see about ourselves, right? It's like your brake light on your car. How many of you have ever had a brake light on your car go out, right? Let me see your hand. How did you know? Somebody had to tell you. Now, somebody told me in first service that cars these days, the new cars, have a sensor for that. For all the rich people who drive new cars, you got that. But for the poor, the rest of us, we need somebody to pull up to us at a red light and go, hey, dude, your brake light's out, right? And we need that in our lives because we have stuff we can't see about ourselves. And we need somebody to love us enough to tell us things, even when it hurts. Word of caution, though, please. When you are holding someone accountable, 
it has to be from the platform of a relationship. A relationship that you have invested in. If you haven't cried with them when they cry or rejoiced with them when they were rejoicing, if they don't know that you love them without an agenda, you are not the person to speak that truth into their lives. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, the wounds of a friend are faithful. And I'll add a little Philip Lee translation. The wounds of an acquaintance just plain hurt. Make sure you're the right person. Make sure you're not just going around pointing out everybody's flaws. Accountability is a two-way street. Connection is essential for accountability. And accountability is essential for spiritual growth. Do you have that? Do you have somebody that loves you enough to tell you the truth? Have you actually sat down with them and said, hey, I want you to help hold me accountable. I'm opening up. I'm giving you permission to speak difficult truths into my life. If not, that might be the best thing you can do in 2019 is build some loving accountability into your life because it matters. Let me close with this last verse on your outline. Because see, this is the heart of everything I'm trying to say today. Romans 1.12. Paul says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me. And my faith will help you. And that is the most valuable benefit of being connected. Would you pray with me? Father, as we stand here in the beginning of a, a new year, <laughs> we confess that we are completely clueless about what this year will be like. And in that, we recognize that we don't have to live in fear. That because you are our God, because of your love, even the most painful, difficult things that come into our life, you are able to use them for your glory and our good. But we need each other. Because when the storm comes, when your world is falling apart, when your heart is broken, we need others to have faith for us when our faith is gone. We need others who can lay down beside us in tears and prayers and plead for your healing. We need each other, Lord. We confess that today. So help us no longer be distracted by lesser things. Help us to engage and build habits in the things that matter. Not to make our lives smooth, but to make our lives purposeful. To impact the people around us to influence the culture, to bring hope to the hopeless. That is our mission. That is our calling. Help us to be all in with that mission, but help us to link arms together to accomplish it. In Jesus' name, amen.